Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, I'm Mayhem. Hello, I'm Chaos. And our happiness is egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped and loves a circle with no end. Happiness is egg-shaped and loves a circle with no end. Hello, my name is Bruce Aitchison from Happiness is Eggshape. Welcome to the Happiness is podcast where I have the great pleasure to speak to good people and today we have one of the best. I am so pleased he agreed to say yes to this because he is far, far away, far out east. He is a man who I owe a huge amount to because if anyone asks me about Hong Kong, I say the same thing back. For me, it was a land of opportunity, but opportunity only comes when people give it to you. And this man was very, very kind to me amongst a whole load of other people, but this guy stands out head and shoulders above many. He's a native from Scotland, uh, went out to Hong Kong and has just progressed and climbed the ladder and is now at the summit where he is in charge of all kinds of important stuff. He is humble and very modest, so it will be a bit of a job to get him to admit how wonderful he really is, but that's what I'm going to try and do. He is the CEO of the Hong Kong Rugby Football Union, and I am absolutely delighted to say he's a mate of mine, and his name is Robbie McRobbie. Robbie, welcome to the pod. How on earth for you. Hey, absolute, absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for asking me. I'm so happy. you're probably going to be the only person on here that will call me Hey as well. So that's even better. Just makes it even more unique. So Hong Kong at the moment, you are planning for a sevens in November rather than the end of March, start of April. How are things looking? Well, first of all, um, Gung Hei Fat Choi, standing Fai Lok. Santagin Hong. It's uh, it's the first day of Chinese New Year here, so um, very best wishes, Aichi, for a very happy, healthy, and prosperous year of the ox. And now you're just showing off with all your local lingo. You are just the master. So, so yes, the the sevens. Um, we sadly last year were unable to actually get sevens hosted. Um, it's been running since 1976. I'm the first, the first CEO who who failed failed to actually manage to put it on, um, which is a bit of a blow, really. Uh, and, and in the process, uh, I, I also recorded the, the the biggest deficit we've ever we've ever had. But um, I don't think that's you, though. I, you know, the buck the buck stops somewhere. Isn't it? Um, you, you just said I was in charge. So anyway, anyway the, the good news is we have a date. 
in November, um, which is fantastic. We're all very much looking forward to that. Um, and so that will be part of the Rejig 2021 Sevens series. Uh, and then we should be back in our normal slot in April 2022 uh, when the 22-23 series um, gets going. So, yeah, um, it, it'll be two and a half years, um, which is a long time between drinks by, by the time we actually host the, the, the Sevens. Um, but, um, but yeah, we, it should be great. I mean, by then, um, fingers crossed, there'll have been an Olympics. We'll have a new uh, men's and women Olympic champions. Um, we, we'll be holding... It'll be the first time that we've had both the men's and the women's core series uh, held in, in Hong Kong over the, over the same weekend. So, yeah, lot, lots to, to look forward to. That is going to be some weekend. If everybody's allowed back, I, I, I fear for how that's going to go. Well, I'm, I'm even more excited uh, on the basis that you've now invited Deacon Blue to, to take part. Um, <laughs> And, and Ali, Super Ali, Ali McCoy. Super, Super Ali, what a legend. Yes, Deacon Blue and Ali McCoy have, have become quite close personal friends of mine, Robbie, don't you know? <laughs> I, I, I have to say, I, I very much enjoyed the, um, I watched that, uh, that Doddy, Doddy cast, uh, which was which was brilliant. And uh, yeah, I've been catching a lot of stuff you've been doing. Um, so uh, fan, fantastic, all the support you've given uh, the, the My Name's Doddy Foundation over the, well, not just the last month, but um, yeah, it's been ve very enjoyable when, when there's not been a huge amount of entertainment apart from Netflix, HE. Yeah. You, you've been filling Tell the gap, mate. Oh, well, it's it, hey, there's quite a lot of it to fill a gap, so it's uh, <laughs> that's easily done. I tell you, though, the the best bit about it, when when we first started talking about it, the, it was to achieve three things. One was to get more people to sign up, which then means more money raised so those were the first two but the third one which was the one i could actually have any kind of impact on was can we have some fun while we do it and it was just gold and everybody that got involved was so positive and so up for it and then while there was all the headliners there's been thousands of people who have just got on with it and walked miles run miles cycled done all kinds of crazy stuff and getting messages from them saying Thursday night's the highlight of my week, or I'm really looking forward to Thursday. It was just an amazing feeling. And that's probably something you maybe don't appreciate how the things you do impact on somebody that you might never meet. Because the Hong Kong Sevens, you, although you probably would stand and shake everybody's hand as they left, but those things reach far, far further than I think we ever we ever appreciate. And Doddy, you, you've met Doddy, and Doddy's been across to Hong Kong, so you know how easy it is to jump on the bandwagon. Yeah, I, in fact, I, I was lucky enough to, I was on a Zoom call with, with Doddy a couple of weeks ago with uh, Martin Murray, um, yeah. who is a good friend of Doddy and who sort of led the fundraising activities for, for the My Name's Doddy Foundation out here in Hong Kong um, with an incredible... Uh, annual dinner that, that he's been organising with, uh, with with a couple of mates of his before before the seventies each year with, with uh, amazing guests. I mean, we had Sir Billy Connolly. Um, yeah. Two two well, I lose track. Two two years ago. Is that is that the dinner? Did was it Martin that bought a shirt signed by? Was it the British Lions and then took it home and it ended up get going through the washing machine and all the signatures disappeared. There's quite a lot of stories about Martin and shirts, and oh, or shirts, shirts at that dinner, ending up, yeah, in boots of cars and, and washing machines and all sorts, yeah. But it raises an incredible amount of um, money, um, uh, and and Doddy's been out to it. Uh, well, he's, he's, as you know, he's been out of Hong Kong um, a number of times. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, it was it was good to. Good to catch up with him, uh, as I say, a couple of weeks ago, and and uh, he was he was in his usual good good form, uh, having, having a couple of Guinnesses. Yeah, it just it's always it's like a staple. It's just I'll I'll have a Guinness. He he cracks me up. So, uh, Robbie McRobbie from Scotland is in charge of Hong Kong Rugby Union. Let's go right back to the beginning, because I spent four years in Hong Kong, four of 
absolute happiest times and, and met people and did things and I've made memories that I'm never, ever going to forget. But you were out there long before I was there. Yeah, I, I, I went out to Hong Kong in 1992. Um, so I, I, I'm big Gullen. Uh, East Lothian. In fact, my dad's my dad's still living there. Um, uh, I uh, grew up in Gullen, went went to school in Gullen, and in uh, Edinburgh, Edinburgh Academy, and then went to university uh, down in England. And then in '92, finished university. Um, didn't have much idea what I wanted to do, and one of my brothers was a was a policeman in Hong Kong. So much much to his annoyance, um, <laughs> I decided I would follow him and, and join up as a as a. Policeman. Um, unfortunately, when I arrived there at the police training school, which is which is in Aberdeen, which is quite confusing, it's in Aberdeen, Hong Kong. Um, lo and behold, my brother was my physical training instructor. So for nine nine months, I had to call him sir and salute him, my own brother. And I've got to say, he he wasn't he wasn't a very nice bloke. In my squad hated me because because they blamed me for my brother's brutality. So it wasn't wasn't a, wasn't a great start. So anyway, I, I still I, I lasted. I did eleven years in in the police, um, and and loved every minute of it. It was fantastic for for a young uh, a young man out in 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 Hong Kong at that time. Um, played a lot of sport. Um, it, it was just it was just brilliant. Um, but the problem was, I was, um, and I know you know this story, but the problem was, I was, I was crap. I was a crap. Um, in 11 years, I arrested one person, and he was burgling my own flat. And as it turned out, he'd been living in an empty flat underneath my flat for two weeks, nicking stuff. So, uh, anyway, so I. After eleven years, I decided that I really needed to find something I was slightly better at. So I, I kind of ended up. My last posting in the police was um, as the assistant manager at the police officers club. So they'd taken me off the streets anyway. I wasn't. I didn't. They didn't let me carry a gun anymore. And I was all about kids' birthday parties and Elvis, Elvis Presley's fan club events. But, but I was pretty good at that, actually. That, that was that was when we met. We we met. I think the first time we met was when I was in the police officers club. Um, in the first year I was in Hong Kong, the British police team came over and yeah. played against a select team. Yeah. And I was in the select team, and then the after match function, I think, was at the police club. And so, that was that was where I first met you, um, and you were you were in charge and making things happen, trying to control make, make 30, 30 British coppers who were on yeah. tour, plus a whole load of waifs and strays who'd made up the police commissioner fifteen, I think it was called. That that was that was a, that was a really really good um, British police team. I remember yeah, it was a, it was ex Scottish international. He was the coach, if I remember. Correctly, would that be right? Uh, I can't but I, I was I, at the bottom of a ruck and Bruce Ward, who played in the back row for Curry, and Wardy was the polite way to put it was hard. And <laughs> somehow or other I ended up at the bottom of a ruck and Wardy never often missed a chance. And he had his arm cocked and then he realized it was me and just went, What the are you doing here? Same <laughs> by confusion. Uh, exactly, and it was like, oh no, he had the arm cut and didn't go for it. But those were, those, I don't know, do those still happen in Hong Kong? Those right. kind of throwing people together games? So, I was going to say, it's funny, funny you, you bring up the police. So, um, two years ago, 2019, um, I, 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 was, I was contacted, well, it was about 2018, I was contacted by the Australian Police Rugby Club, um, and they said, uh, they knew that I was next policeman and they said oh um we're, we're thinking of wouldn't it be good if there was a police rugby world cup um oh that's right there, there is there's one actually there's, a, there's an armed forces one which normally takes place at the same year as the world cup and often in the same country as the world cup but they haven't they haven't had a a, a police one before so i said yeah we'd love to we'd love to host it in hong kong so we, we basically put together it was going to be the first ever police world cup um and 
you know, at, at, at its peak, we, we had about, I suppose, about 10 teams coming in and, and men's and women's teams once. Anyway, of course, then the the <laughs> social disturbances broke out in Hong Kong. And I discovered, <laughs> I found myself organising the, the first ever Police World Cup in possibly the most <laughs> anti-police environment in the world. So... I kind of I, so we basically had to we had to handle it, but by that stage, a number of the teams had already they couldn't get the the money back on the flights. So we we had a stealth secret police world cup, a bit like secret policeman's ball, um, with we had the British men, uh, no sorry, the English men, the British women, and Australian, New Zealand men and women's teams uh, came across. Um, and actually, I mean, it was it was it was brilliant. It was just it's so sad that we couldn't sort of do what we'd originally planned to do but um that they all they all still i think very much in, enjoyed the time um we were running it was at the time of the of the actual the, the japanese world cup so we had a fan zone uh, up and running in yeah in that looked Park. awesome that looked yeah, so it was, good yeah it's good so so they all spent a lot of time down there um so it was good um and it was lovely to that once you've been a police officer i mean i've been lucky enough to to, to play in a number of um, rugby tournaments at World Police and Fire Games, which takes place um, every two years, I think it is. Um, but there's a real, this this whole brotherhood of blue. Um, yeah. It's, it's fantastic. Everybody, you know, um, once once they, then, you, you know, you, you're part of the the brotherhood or the sisterhood, everybody gets, gets together and, and um, you know, enjoys sport in the field and has a few beers afterwards, uh, yeah, which is obviously the essence of rugby anyway. But... But yeah, it was, it, it was it was good. So hopefully that can take place again um, next year or, or the next World Cup maybe in, in, in not such a secretive manner. <laughs> I bet they'll, they'll be desperate to come back and word will have spread. The other teams will want to be there. But your, your degree was in events and hospitality, wasn't it? Was it not something? Not, not my first. So my, my first degree was, was, was history. Um, but then I did, um, um, yeah, I did sports and recreation management when I was in, yeah. in Hong Kong. Um, uh, qualification in that, um, which, which was good, and, and I'm, you know, I'm glad I did that. That, that sort of um, that helped me because I was still in the police at that time, uh, and that I, I think kind of helped solidify my thoughts that 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 was the, the area that I wanted to to get involved with. I mean, I'd always been. You know, at school and university, I'd always been um, involved in organising the, the discos and, and the, the sort of the social events and, and what have you. And um, we made, um, in fact, the highlight of my, of my university career was we made Kylie Minogue an honorary member of college. Um, and uh, and they, they, they actually, Stockton and Waterman, gave, gave me, and, um, me and my pal um, uh, tickets to go and, and meet her. And uh, what, what's your... Birmingham NEC and, and meet her beforehand. So you met Kylie Minogue? I met, I met Kylie Minogue, yeah. Uh, well, how long have we known each other and I'm just finding that out now? I'll, I'll, I'll send you the picture afterwards. Oh, wonderful. Well, you, one of our mutual friends, who's my my best mate, Adam Hay, one of, one of his best stories ever. Can you remember C2 in Edinburgh on Lothian Road? It was a club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. He was he was in there. Jason Donovan was on stage singing, and he comes down to the front of the stage to touch everybody's hand. So everybody's got their hand up, like wanting to be touched by Jason Donovan. And Jason Donovan's going along, touching all their hands. And he got so excited that he jumped up and he thumbed Jason Donovan in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> he stopped singing because. <laughs> Oh, that's one of my. Fa I've got lots of stories about him. The time he tried to make raisins by putting grapes in the microwave, but I've got I've got heaps of stories about him. But that's not why we're here. So, are you going to get him on the on the podcast? Uh, well, because he's now an employee of the New Zealand Rugby Union, he's a little bit twitchy about what he's allowed to say. And when uh -huh. Warren Gatlin's his boss, he he doesn't want to upset Warren Gatlin or or Gats as he is to him now. <laughs> He's the he's the only Scotsman Warren Gatlin likes. <laughs> Hello, my name is Bruce Aitchison from Happiness is Egg Shaped. You wait for a podcast and then two come along at once. I am looking forward to introducing to you 
Murrayfield and Me, a love story by Bruce Aitchison. I have spent so many happy days in Murrayfield Stadium. I could watch the grass grow. It is a place where I have so many memories. Happy, sad, because let's face it, I'm a Scottish rugby fan, but memories all the same. I've met good people, I've built strong relationships, and I would go back tomorrow and the day after and the day after and the day after. It is an amazing place to watch rugby, and everybody knows happiness is egg-shaped at Murrayfield. So join me on the podcast, Murrayfield and Me, a love story by Bruce Aitchison. So you then, from the police club, and one of the bits that people won't know is, are you fluent in Cantonese? Well, I I speak Cantonese for wife. I I mean, I I understand lots of kind of swear words and things about (laughs) you you lazy git and things like that, which (laughs) most of the vocabulary seems to be. But um, you you have to learn, if you're an expatriate police as well, I mean, obviously they don't recruit many more, but yeah, we had to to learn Cantonese, so. um, So you landed here and had to do Cantonese lessons? Yeah, we we did, um, well, I think like, a month full time at the training school, and then um, after you'd passed out, you, you then went back and did another three month full time course. Um, so you had to pass the government exams, um, but not not reading and writing. I, I had a go at, at, at learning that, but it was, that was way beyond That's me. That's tough. That's yeah. tough. Yeah, they say it's a pictorial language, eighty but It's a bit of a stretch, quite honestly. The, 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 the symbol for for. For the thing you can just about make out, but the rest of it, I think they're just making it up. Because <laughs> I remember being stood next to you the first time you were speaking to me, and then just like that, you started speaking Cantonese. And I think I took a step back because I was so in awe. And I, I didn't know any of that stuff. I don't think I even knew you'd been a proper copper when we first met. But I remember standing with you and you just clicked straight into it. And I was just blown away. So you then get the job with the rugby union. That's obviously, that's a big deal that you could speak Cantonese. Because a big part of what you've done is you've really energised the local community to get involved in the game. Yeah, I I, I think that... that the, police, the expat police officers in, in, in Hong Kong have always um, had a, a slightly unusual place because, yeah, because we we can speak some Cantonese and, and because we, we tend to be quite embedded with the local culture. I mean, the first first posting I had after the training school, you know, I was up, up in the New Territories, up in Fan Ling, and I was the only expat in, in the entire police station. So, you know, you have to... You don't you don't have an awful lot of choice but but to um sort of assimilate to, to the local culture etc so so yeah it, it was definitely um it was definitely a help but i was also really fortunate that I, I joined um the union at a time when we were just starting to to kind of expand um and some uh, uh, well a lot of the guys that that you were very close to h you joined the union at that time people like like brandon uh brandon yeah. wang and and um um fake guy fat chicken um fair guy my boy my boy a slight um non sequitur but but as, as you know one of the um one of the peculiar things about chinese culture is that is the nicknames and the nicknames <laughs> tend to be very graphic descriptions <laughs> of you know big nose fat chicken yeah um, well that yes. would when, when i when i got introduced to fake guy that was pretty much the first thing he told me he said, "Fay guy, fat chicken." <laughs> I said, "Fat chicken." He went, "Yeah, that's what fay guy means." Oh, <laughs> so so there was a, there was a great bunch of young um, young local uh, rugby players who had come on board um, at the union. Who who, and I think the union had been very smart because they'd had a, a program of um, supporting the education of of these youngsters as they as they came through the the, the sort of the academy system. Um, and the back end of this, they, they felt, you know, that they wanted to give back and, and quite, quite a number of them did join the union uh, and became very much the bedrock of, of the community department and the efforts that we then made. That was 2003. So yeah. um, very much, 
you know, we'd just been through 1997. I mean, before in the run-up to, to the handover with the departure of the British military, who had been very much the backbone of, um, of rugby in Hong Kong, um, and also the end to recruitment of expatriate police officers, who had been another big force in, in rugby, that there was real concern as to whether or not rugby would survive as, as a game in, in Hong Kong. And the union, to its credit, you know, turned its attention to local development and getting more local Chinese playing the sport. Um, so by 2003, we were starting to benefit from that. Uh, and then, as I say, with the guys who came on board, we were able to really kick, kick that on um, over the next sort of decade, you know, up until sort of 2013, 15. Um, you know, there was a sustained period of growth, more and more kids getting involved at all levels of the game. Uh, and Andy Yoon, I think, has he just finished about, that's about 17 years, I think, he's been at the Union. And at, when you were last across here, and Andy was here as analyst, I think, for the women's squad, and came to visit me here at, here at school, and it was just an amazing thing that, you know, a, a local Chinese Hong Kong kid that the only reason he and I met was because of rugby. And then 17 years later, he's stuck in and done really, really well and gets himself a trip to Scotland. And I, it was one of those lovely little closing off the circle moments as he arrives here. And then I just saw he posted, I think he's that's him done his 17th year as an employee of the union, which is spectacular. And the union deserves, deserves a lot of credit for that. Yeah, I, I, as I say, I mean, it, well, it's a two, it's a two way thing. I mean, we, they a lot of those guys have have been extremely um, loyal and supportive for the union over the years, and, and even I mean the, the ones that have moved on to to bigger and better things have still remained um, big supporters of of rugby and big advocates and ambassadors for rugby in the community. So yeah, we've we've been very very lucky. I mean, you know, as I say, it's kind of what comes around goes around. The union helped help them up, helped them out um, when they were when they were young, um, gave them support and, and they paid that back in, in, in spades over the years. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I love, well, you know how much I love Hong Kong and, and still keep in touch with a whole load of those guys. And that, I, I was in Hong Kong at a really confusing time for rugby. 2001 was when I arrived and it still had the hangover from 97 where some of the clubs weren't really sure who they were. There weren't the expats around who necessarily wanted to commit to twice a week training and play on a Saturday and and the locals were beginning to get interested but they weren't it was a bit like here now with the amateurs and professionals they were they weren't physically ready to compete against a lot of the the expat guys who were just more experienced and and physically bigger but then gradually the, you know a few got in and then it, you know, that was what it needed, didn't it? It needed role models. And some of those guys that the union looked after, like my club, Kowloon, went from having no locals to having a team and a women's team. And all of a sudden, the atmosphere and the culture of the club changed for absolutely for the better. Absolutely for the better. And the relationships that then formed hopefully helped a whole load more local kids and and i think the numbers you've got now with taking part in rugby are, are absolutely superb aren't they yeah we, we we actually last last year we got kpmg to do a sort of actually the first real in-depth state of the union um survey um uh, because as part of our current strategic plan we're trying to get more data driven so you know a bit, a bit like yeah, a bit like Moneyball, you know, we, we're trying to <laughs> try and base decisions less on the opinions of, of, of people in in the sportsman's bar, um, <laughs> as opposed to you know data data, data driven um, decision making. But yeah, so we have we've got a really strong mini community, so boys and girls age four to eleven. We've got about um, four and a half thousand um, playing playing the game registered. Uh, we've got rugby in about 250 local primary schools it's different but that's different types of programs some of that's learning english through rugby some of it's learning values through rugby it's not all rugby school teams um then we've, we've got about 1700 youth players boys and girls we have 80 something senior men's and senior men's and women's teams that, that 
mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss playing the, in the Saturday League 24 tertiary institutions uh, universities and colleges um, so yeah yeah I mean it, it's it's grown it's grown a lot and it's and it's the majority of the players in Hong Kong are local Chinese which is you know which is good which is what we set out to do um, there's still lots of areas that um, you know a lot of work remains and um, we haven't been as successful at getting the, the local players through to the highest levels of certainly on the men's side of the game as, as we would have liked. Um, and those those role models that you refer to still remain massively important. The ones that are are playing the the women's game is is, is very different. And um, I was lucky enough to um, you know to, to coincide a visit back to Scotland when our women's team were across um, in Edinburgh. Again, two years ago, wasn't it? Eighteen months ago, yeah. um, and, and as as you know, I mean, the majority of, of our national women are, are local Hong Kong Chinese. They played in the last World Cup uh, in Ireland, um, and uh, are, are still in the process of trying to qualify for for this year's World Cup in New Zealand. So the women's game's going, you know, going very well, going very very strongly. Overall numbers are, are okay; they're encouraging, but. Yeah, like like every union around the world, lots lots of stuff to be done, and, yeah. and lots of concerns as to what we're going to see on the back end of COVID, and and the re-engagement process across all levels of the community is going to be absolutely critical. Getting people, you know, re re-engaged and back out on the pitch um, is is not going to be an easy challenge. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping people realise either what they've missed or what they were missing anyway and now need to get involved in something and rugby might might be it. Hong Kong's in a <clears throat> when I was there, I found that you were almost in the middle of things. It's a bit like being in Scotland in that four hours you can be in twenty different countries. In Hong Kong in four hours you can be in twenty different countries. And although they might not be rugby powerhouses, there's rugby in every country in Asia and you've you've been to lots of them. The games the game seems like it's flying. Asia rugby are, are working hard. I've been doing a little bit with them to try and help promote their stuff, which has been class. What What's the atmosphere like around the region for rugby? Do you think the appetite's growing? Yeah, it, it is. Um, I mean, a lot of effort and a lot of focus was, was put uh, into the lead up to the, the Japanese World Cup. Um, the big, big push around, there was this... Um, uh, Project Asia, Asia One Million to try and get a million new new players in, into rugby, um, and, and that was, you know, that, that target was was achieved. I, I think that with when you're chasing numbers, though, there's always this danger of um, you need to make it sustainable. You know yeah. what I mean? I, the, the big fear is you end up with a million rugby balls sitting in in cupboards <laughs> of schools around around the region. You know, and and, and Kids have had the, they've had the sort of the the interest sparked by somebody dropping in and doing a a, a workshop or a session or whatever like that, and then they get, they don't get a chance to play again. But the good thing is there are some there are some fantastic projects in in Asia, in particular um, the Child Fund, who, who have the Passive yeah. Bank project, which was the official charity of the of the last World Cup. Um, they do incredible work in a number of countries, including Cambodia, Laos, Philippines. They're in East Timor, um, Papua New Guinea, just starting now in, in the Pacific Islands, Fiji. Um, and they use sport in a, in a really 
um, strong way as a medium to, to try and address some of the social challenges in those countries and to help with uh, gender equity, female empowerment, all that, all that good stuff. Um, and they've had huge success to the point where um, in Laos, because they were starting from, from scratch, really, that nobody really knew much about rugby before Charlton got going there. So they were starting with a blank piece of paper. Um, they focused on women. And the majority of people in Laos think that rugby is a women's sport. Oh really? Boys, boys play football and and girls, yeah, play, girls rugby. play rugby. Yeah, I've, I've seen some of that on social media. And one of the other podcast guests was saying she's been out to Laos twice, and it's it's just such a great thing that almost being able to start with a blank sheet because how complicated is this bloody game now? And if yeah. if you're in a tier one nation, it's like right, we're changing the rules. We're going to have tackle below the waist, and we're going to have a captain's referral and all this kind of nonsense. Whereas being able to present it brand new must be really refreshing and invigorating for the people delivering it and for the people receiving it. They're hearing it for the first time. So just right, that's what it is rather than all this mumbo jumbo that surrounds the international game. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that one has to remember as well. I mean, the, a lot of these countries, they're not even watching it on TV. You yeah. Know, that, that, um, they, they might, you know, they might have access to the internet, Facebook. They might watch watch a few clips, a few bits and bobs. But but by and large, they, they don't know anything about the game. There's no preconceptions. Um, so, I mean, that in, in one regard, that's pretty challenging when you start and try yeah. to get something going. But as you, as you say, create such opportunity and potential to to yeah to, to create the game in 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 the image that that, that you, you want it to be yeah and the, and that suits them rather one of my frustrations is everybody's trying to play the way test rugby is whereas that's that's for them let them get on with kicking up in the air and chasing let's everybody else have some fun with the ball so hong kong is is I hate when people talk about their bucket list. I hate bucket lists. Just do good stuff is my sort of view on it. But whenever people say to me, oh, you were in Hong Kong, what's the sevens like? It's it's one of the hardest things to describe, the Hong Kong sevens. So the way I tend to go is, if you like rugby, you'll love it. If you like a party, you'll love it. If you like rugby in a party, it's like utopia. Like, to me, that's... It, it's just now when when I was and I know things have changed and I need to get away from 20 years ago almost. But when I was there, you had the Manila 10s the week before or if you stayed in Hong Kong, you had the country of origin. Now, I loved the country of origin tournament. So in Hong Kong, because there's so many expats. The Scot all the Scots from all the clubs would then become Scotland and all the English would become an Ireland. And New Zealand won it every year because they were rammed with all the boys that were paid to play rugby in Hong Kong at the time. But everybody else just took great pride in putting on a their national jersey and playing. Then you had a bit of a rest on the Monday, but there was a dinner. Somebody, somebody was hosting a dinner, whether that was the St Andrews Society or the Australian community. Then the Tuesday was a, right, is everybody ready for this? Wednesday, Thursday was the tens. Then we had the Kowloon brought in their tens. And then Friday, the seven starts. And by Sunday, you are on your knees, but begging for more. And by Monday, like just waving the white flag. It is, it's a week to be savoured endured enjoyed shared like but did you get to enjoy it now or is it too stressful for you too stressful is it <laughs> yeah um yeah i mean i but obviously when i first came out of hong kong i had i had um, many years in the south stand and and uh, in, in enjoying it um as, as the old saying goes you know if, if if at the sevens you get bored, you can always turn around and watch watch the rugby. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, 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 so I have seen that side of it, obviously. Um, but no, now I mean it, it, it's. I mean it, it, it's stressful in a good way. I mean it, it's it, it's obviously it's our busiest week of the year, as you say. I mean it's just. Uh, incredible amount of activity and events that, that go on and and um, so as a CEO you know I mean I, I'm, I'm very lucky to get invited to, to a lot of them and I do try and make an effort to get 
to get along to to as many as I can. Um, um, but but yeah, it's pretty it, it's pretty full on. I, I, Monday is always um, is always a good. Day. I mean, when things have gone well, you know what I mean, and people, you know, that one hundred twenty thousand people have come through the come through the gates have had a really good time. Yeah, um, are all are all feeling pretty rough. Um, but that's when you know we, we as a team we sort of kick kick back, um, go for a bit of a bit of a lunch on the Monday, reflect on uh, on what 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 has happened, catch up on the stories. I was going to say, um, you find out everything that you, that yeah. they didn't tell you at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and often. Um, yeah, with with with, um, with Margaret still having a lot of friends in the police, I, I do often get a phone call on the Monday morning as well from <laughs> from a mate saying, "Oh, we, we, we've got someone in the cells. You might you might want to uh, come and uh, come and get out and things like that." So there's, there's always yes, there's always stories. It's always now you. One of the bits I know you enjoy is booking some of the support acts. Now, the last time I was there was an absolute joy because you booked the Proclaimers and the Proclaimers played to the South Stand and being a Hibs fan from this part of the world and them singing Sunshine on Leith in what is probably my second favourite place in the world after Murrayfield, being at a Hong Kong Stadium with the Proclaimers doing Sunshine on Leith, I was sitting thinking, I think I've made it. I think this is it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm done. And then they did 500 miles, and the whole place just went. Oh, it was absolutely bonkers. But you've then had you had Shabal dressed as a caveman. Did he do 500 miles? Yeah. <laughs> like whose whose idea was that? Was that you? No, that was that was actually the sponsor. That was Marriott who um, who did that. That was that was a bit of genius. Um, no, I mean I've come up with some, some some pretty wild and wacky, and 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 some of them pretty pretty rubbish ideas. But but the Cheval one was really good, and that wasn't mine. I can't take credit for that. But you you are please tell me you are taking credit for the Hoff. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> if was... ever there's an abuse of power, it's the CEO of the Hong Kong Rugby Union going. Do you know who I really want to perform? David Hasselhoff. <laughs> And everybody in the meeting, because you're the big cheese going, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. Let's get David Hasselhoff. <laughs> so I, I, I knew, you, obviously, you would be asking me about a Hoff. So I, 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 there are some stories I can tell and some that I can't about, about his time with us in Hong Kong. What I can say, if, if, any, if anybody wants to get a, get a kind of an insight in, into what the whole thing was like, you can still find the clip um, on... Uh, Sean, Sean Maloney is doing the the, the commentating, and w- we got him to do a number of different sort of vignettes during during the course of the weekend um, and, until he had to go to hospital. But, but, <laughs> but one of them was, was a Baywatch vignette, so he, he came out. The Hoff comes out in all the Baywatch gear and and, yeah. and runs down to the Southland. So he comes out for the run, runs out to Southland with all these assembled you know, cast and, and different yeah. things. So Sean Maloney's doing the, uh, doing the content and he says, uh, oh, this is great. This is it's David Hasselhoff. I'm, I'm a big Baywatch fan. It's fantastic. That the half, he's here in Hong Kong and he, he's in front of Sass and how great is this going to be? And, he, and he's singing a theme from Baywatch and, and, and look, oh, look, they're putting up three, three uh, lifeguard chairs, three of those high chairs. Isn't this great? They put them up facing the Sass stand. Let, let's have a look and see who's getting in those. Oh, the first one. Oh, that's um. Oh, that, that's oh, that's like a Pamela Anderson lookalike. Yeah, it's a, it's a blonde girl in the Baywatch outfit. Ah, yeah, yeah, that's, that's great. That's great. Who's getting into the second chair? Oh, it's a big fat bloke. Fat bloke dressed as a lifeguard. That's that's a bit weird, but but oh well, you know. And he says, "I've seen it all now. I've seen it all now." Anyway, I, I'm kind of down there, um, sort of soaking up the atmosphere. And at that point, a drunk, a drunk spectator from the south stand, yeah. dressed as Pamela Anderson, jumps over the fence and makes a run for the Hoff. <laughs> and there's only me between the Hoff and the drunk. It was the greatest tackle of the whole weekend. It's, it, it's the greatest tackle of my entire rugby career. 
<laughs> you thing is you got pelters for it because after that it was I've never seen him make a tackle before. Well done, yeah. Robbie. Good technique. Cheek to cheek, Robbie. It just it was relentless. It was <laughs> everybody that knew you was putting a comment on gold. But but the, I've got to say that the, the Hoff was brilliant. He he um he was fantastic fun. Um He's actually he's a rugby fan. He's he's I, I don't know whether he's Welsh. He's, his wife's Welsh, partner, isn't he? Yeah, he's, I think partner now, well. now wife partner. She came out with him. She's a, lo- a lovely, lovely girl. Yeah, she was a big Welsh fan. So since then, he's actually he's been to. I, I know he's been to a couple of Welsh matches. He he, he went to the LA's LA Sevens, I think. Um, yeah. Or the Vancouver Sevens. Um. So he, yeah, he knows, knows he's rugby. Good good guy. He he, uh, I, he did he did give one of the. Worst renditions of Delilah I've, I've ever heard. He didn't, the problem was he didn't really know the words, so so there was somebody telling him the words in his ear, and he was then singing it, but he was slightly behind the beat of the music. It was the thing is though when you're the Hoff, everybody like it didn't matter. It just made it even better that it was terrible. It just made it even better, and he was such. As when the Hoff came. I, I said to my mate, my mate Robbie's organised that. <laughs> well, it, it's, it, it was, I've got to say, I mean, it, it, it was pretty good. And, and it was more the, the year before, the year before, two years before, um, when I'd, I'd organised the, um, the halftime show was Kung Fu Rugby, which again, you can still, you can still find um, clips of it on, on the internet. <laughs> This was based on there was, there was a really successful, very very successful Hong Kong film called uh, Shaolin Soccer, which is about a yeah. group of, of monks who 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 form a football team and who basically win the World Cup by playing using monk like uh, yeah. skills. So I thought, well, that's good. We'll do the same thing with rugby. So we, we actually we found um, the, the female. This is absolutely true story. This lady was. A, famous kung fu actress in hong kong many many years ago the female jackie, jackie chan so she now has a has a kung fu um stunt school in china so we we got in got in touch and we put together this plan and we we rigged the stadium so we put wires across the stadium so we could have players in harnesses so it looked like the flying and and all this sort of stuff however the thing was so there's me and uh, Sam Sam Pinder, who's the ex Glasgow player. So Sam, <coughs> at the time, the, me and Sam were running the sevens. Sam now runs the sevens and does a far better job than I ever did. But at the time, so he he and I were working on this project together. So we went up to this kung fu school, and Sam tried to to teach them rugby, and he did not have a clue. Didn't have a clue. So when it came to actually rehearsing the real thing. So I, I, I will always remember, so one of the things was we put a ball on a bungee rope. So the idea was that they would pass the, the ball along, like along the line, along the pitch, but it was on a bungee. So it was like traveling at a, a huge rate of knots to make it look like it, they were like using Kung Fu skills. But the problem was they couldn't catch. So the ball was whooshing on this bungee, smacking them in the head, knocking them over. Eventually, we actually we basically had to give up because they were they were doing themselves a serious injury, they <laughs> and it's like whiplash from the ball. So, anyway, it, it kind of we got we got away with it just just about. We were actually rehearsing it. It was it was on the Sunday. It was halftime show on the Sunday, and on the Saturday after everybody went home, we were still rehearsing it at two o'clock in the morning. On the- <laughs> Um, and it wasn't looking great uh, on the day. It kind of the, the finale. The finale was David Campisi, who is another great, great bloke. Yeah. Who, who comes at sevens every year. Big, big, big fan of sevens. Anyway, David agreed. So Campo, the, the final act was Campo ran on the pitch and picked the ball and ran and stole the ball and ran off. And um, so it was all it was all all good fun in the end. But a few sleepless nights with that. I wouldn't Just... do it again. <laughs> Just, just genius. There, I said in the intro, Hong Kong for me was a land opportunity. You, you gave me some of those, and one of the ones that still kind of tickles me was you got me to be a sighting officer for the sevens, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "What does it mean?" But pretty much, I got a pass, 
And if anybody got red carded, I had to host a sighting meeting to work out what the ban was going to be. And I'm right, okay. So I'm there, swanning around in my Hong Kong rugby union t shirt on, and people going, What are you doing here? Is it sighting officer, behave yourself, sighting officer? And then the only person they got a red card the whole weekend was a Japanese guy. And you said, right, I'll do this one so you can see how it goes. And then and then it's up to you. But it was the only one the whole weekend. <laughs> and there's, there's me and you, this Japanese guy, and he, he just had the big frown on and the big sweaty black hit like this, just, uh, <laughs> yeah. And just, I'd obviously been told, like, you've disrespected, do as you're told, just accept it. And everything going through the translator, and you pretty much saying, you've been a naughty boy, haven't you? <laughs> I think he, I think he got he got banned for the group matches and then he was back in and then that was it. So I had the whole weekend to myself just swatting around. Yeah, sighting officer. It was brilliant. Important job. Important job. It, it was an important job. The first three years I was there, England won the sevens every year, and yeah. I was like, "This is just not how it's supposed to be." And then the fourth year I was there was the World Cup sevens. And it was, I think it was Fiji All Blacks final with Serevi as kind of his last hurrah in 2005. And that that's a bit like, you know, the All Blacks are the team. Brazil in football are the romantic best team. To be there with Fiji winning the World Cup and Serevi playing was... Like Hong Kong, like you're saying, turn around and watch the rugby. There are points in the Hong Kong Sevens weekend where I think you just have to stand and look around and go, "This is this is unreal. This is absolutely spectacular." Yeah, well, Sally Serevi has obviously been um, he, he's been a really important part of the, the the development of Sevens over the years, but but he's been a huge part of Hong Kong, and and he's always very very gracious in. Whenever he's asked, he you know he always says, with, "If there was no Hong Kong sevens, there'd be no Serevi." And, yeah. Um, and again, you know, he 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 comes back every year, and he, he's been back coaching various teams. He was coaching Russia last time, but you know, he always comes back. Um, and again, this is a true story. Uh, in fact, I was just in touch with him last week. We gave him, we got made some face masks from Hong Kong Union, so he he wanted some of those for the family. So we we just sort of sent sent those across. So we, we we keep in touch with him. But his one of his daughters came across. Um, so this must be again last time we had the sevens two years ago um and it was early in the morning and we were we were sitting in in the stand look, looking out at the, so we we're sitting in the union box and his daughter is she's actually she's in the the us air force um very very nice girl we're chatting away and uh, i was asking about the family and i said um i said um, does your mum like rugby and she said oh she she loves rugby i said oh um does she ever come to the tournament? She says she comes every year. I said, oh, well, where is she? Because we'd offered the family VIP tickets like she had to come in the box. And she said, she's over there. And she pointed. And you'll remember, H, the other end from the South Stand in the North Stand, there's always a group of Fijians wearing blue yeah. wings. And she yeah. said, she's with them. <laughs> really? She said, yeah. She, she, she comes every year. There's like a group of, of yeah. in, they're not all, they're not Fijians, but they don't all necessarily live in, in Fiji, but they all kind of meet up at the tournaments around the world. Like, you know, they're on the, they're on the series. And she said, <laughs> she said, do you not want to bring me in? No, no, she's quite happy over there. She's with her mates. That's class. That is absolute class. The Fijian jersey behind me here, that's because Leone Nakarawa and Big Bill Mata, that, Edinburgh and Glasgow, uh, when the cyclone hit Fiji a few years ago, my mate Rupeni that I coached with, Fijian guy in the army here, we organised a fundraiser and we bought, we raised enough money to buy tables and chairs for a school in Fiji, Rup's old school in Fiji. So they hosted this Olympic celebration night for Bill and Leone in the barracks across the road here. And uh, I got invited to go along and it was just another one of those moments where I was looking around, you've got Nicky Gonova who at the time was playing on the wing for Newcastle you've got Leone and Bill and uh, uh, Nico Matawalu and uh, Brian Alonese. like just everybody just arrived at this and 
fabulous Fijian food, sitting on the Hessian uh, mats on the floor, drinking kava with the Fijian boys, and cla- just like unreal moment. Uh, uh, like I'm very lucky to have been part of that. But rugby, the Fijians and Sevens, and the Fijians and rugby just adds so much and those those fans you see them sometimes in vancouver or air and they just they just make noise and they just love it don't they and they're such a yeah. great part of it um so robbie time time's ticking uh as as usual and i could talk to you all day and all night because i've not seen you for ages so every every guest i'm asking at the end to finish finish a sentence so i'm going to ask you to finish the sentence robbie mcrobbie happiness is Point of Bellhaven in the White Stag with John Bruce listening to <laughs> listening to HG's podcast. <laughs> oh, I like what you did there. I like what you did there. Now, for everybody who's listening at home, we don't know who John the Bruce is. John the Bruce is a unique individual who is a very good friend of Robbie and I. And Robbie sent me a message the other night to say, just had a pint with John the Bruce, and I feel what was it you said? Tired, Tired, emotional, and confused. Tired, emotional. That that beautifully sums up a night with John the Bruce. Tired, emotional, and slightly confused. Robbie, Robbie, an absolute joy. I'm so glad you agreed to come on. I've had a brilliant chat, and I hope everybody's going to enjoy listening to it. Thank you very, very much. Thanks, AG. Take care. Brilliant. Well, I think you can probably hear how much I've enjoyed that. Yes, he's my mate. Yes, that's why he was invited on. But he's the CEO of the Hong Kong Rugby Union who put on the best sevens tournament every year without fail. Don't don't even attempt to argue that point. That is the case. Hong Kong is the best. If you get the chance, go. Don't make a bucket list. Just go and you'll you'll want to go back. Hong Kong was a very special place for me. I spent four years there. I've been back three times, I think, since I left in 2005. And every time I go back, it feels a bit more like home. And it's because of people like the great man, Robbie McRobbie. I feel very, very honoured that he came on here and I love having him as my mate. I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, look forward to to catching up with you in future podcasts. You can listen to this on Apple, Spotify, and Acast. It's also available on YouTube and on social media. But for now, my name is Bruce Aitchison from Happiness Egg Shaped, and this was the Happinesses podcast. Thank you very much, and I look forward to listening to you and talking to you again. Bye-bye. Hello, I'm Mayhem. Hello, I'm Chaos. And our Happiness is Egg Shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped and loves a circle with no end. Oh, Bruce, last night Ali said happiness is egg-shaped. Hey, um, happiness is egg-shaped. Happiness is egg-shaped and loves a circle with no end. My name is Sean Phelan and I am the producer of the Happiness Is podcast. But if you want a podcast that focuses on the grassroots side of rugby, check out my show, The Philly Bruce Rugby Roundtable, where we discuss the biggest issues in grassroots rugby in the UK, with a different panel of players, coaches and volunteers each week. Listen now at all your favourite podcast providers, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify, or visit fybrugby.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.